everybody. I'm Al Admire. And I'm Pat Finn. And welcome to Improbability, the marriage of improv and success. Yeah, I like We're that. here to tell you about, this is our new podcast. This is our first episode. And uh, Pat and I are wanting to create something that will help people in both their business careers, their personal lives, and their general sense of happiness. Uh, ways to cope, ways to enhance their lives, and ways to... Uh, just feel better about themselves, and that's why we created Improbability. Yeah, it's it's kind of like improv. You know, 10, 15 years ago it was kind of in the in boutique back alley theaters and things like that, and now it's really come to the forefront. Uh, high schools, colleges, they all have improv uh, teams and groups, which is awesome because it's it's accepting of everybody, uh, and also uh, schools in their curriculum. You know, MIT, Stanford, Northwestern, uh, Duke, they're all incorporating us. Uh, like improvisation because they know how valuable it is and it's not necessarily the comedy side of it but it's the main principles of it uh, and that's right. what people are finding to be so rich and that's what we wanted to do today was kind of in our first episode just get you to dip your toes in the waters of improv give you the five basic skills that are part of every improvisational every comedy troupe every jazz musician use these five skills to help them build a new way to look at life, a new way to look at situations, a new way to solve problems. Now, one thing Pat just talked about is uh, Pat's background is comedy. He's from Second City. We want to make sure you understand that improv is, in our, the way that we look at it, is not about being funny. It's about being in the moment. It's about using your time now and now and now to come up with solutions and answers for the problems you're facing. Exactly. No, that's great. You, and, 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 and it is. That's I, uh, after college, went into... Uh, kind of, I dove pretty hard into improvisational theater, which I really gravitated towards and loved and still love to this day and still perform. But yeah, the Second City is an improvisational, uh, probably the improvisational mecca uh, in the entire country, if not the world. And so many and alumni have gone on to success, including SNL gets a lot of people from there. Um, but it's an amazing place. And that's kind of where, where I learned the tenets um, that I try to pass on to other people. Uh, because they're just valuable, they're important, and they're great. So why don't you talk about, what, tell us what your background is, Pat, just so we know where you came from what you do. Sure. sure. Uh, I am from Chicago, and I uh, I went to a school called Marquette University, where I became good friends with Chris Farley, and he and I kind of became comedy cohorts, if you will. Uh, and the two of us went down to Chicago and, and got into improvisational theater with the Improv Olympic and Del Close and uh, Shauna Halpern um, and Second City. When I was there, the people ahead of me were, um, you know, Bonnie Hunt and Tim Meadows and Dave Pesquese and Joel Murray. And then uh, Colbert and Carell, my group, was more like the Brian Stack, the um, uh, Dave Keckner, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Rachel Dratch, all these incredible people. So it was a really cool place to be immersed, immersed in um, understanding uh, the idea of improvisation. Uh, I am... Uh, Married. I met my wife at Marquette also and uh, have three children. I was lucky enough to be pulled off a stage, a main stage uh, at, at Second City in Chicago and put on a TV show uh, in, um, well, auditioned for it. <laughs> they just put me on a TV show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how it happens, everyone. <laughs> it's funny. I remember when I first got out to L.A., my friends were like, hey, I like that show Friends. You should be on that show. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll, go. I'll knock on the stage door and tell them that my friend Todd is a big fan and really wants me to be on here. Um, not how it works in Hollywood. 
But uh, <laughs> yeah, so then I've been living and uh, working actor here in Hollywood for the past 25 years uh, with my wife and three kids. And um, I started teaching uh, for a charity and, and realized how impactful it can be and how much I liked it and had a passion for it. And subsequently, I've done it uh, for universities like University of uh, LMU and uh, Pepperdine, UCLA. I do it uh, a one credit course at Boulder. Uh, University of Colorado Boulder, and now I'm going to Marquette to do it as well. And that's kind of where this whole thing kicked in because Al, your background is 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 not as not the same by any means, but there's certainly nuggets that are similar. Right. But right. The two of us realized, hey man, let's bring this to some businesses and ha- like wow the heck out of them and and show them how powerful it is. Right. So, well, two interesting things. Uh, Pat actually did end up on Friends. I did. did. My my friend Todd uh, was happy. And the show that he was brought out to work on was the George Wendt show. George was Norm on Cheers. Yeah. Uh, George is a good friend of mine. And that's how Pat and I met was through George. Um, Drinking a beer, as it turned out. Uh, My background is uh, a little different from Pat's. I I did improv in St. Louis when I was young. Uh, Then I I, uh, became a writer in Los Angeles. That led me to be uh, a documentary film producer. Um, I've made films for PBS, BBC, Discovery, and my wife and I uh, own a company called Banyan Communications. But through all of that varied experience, I use improvisation every day, particularly in filmmaking, particularly in filmmaking. It's the only way that that got me through uh, because, you know, documentaries are pretty much made up. You know, you don't have a script to follow. You're following your instincts and you're following what people say and you're following where opportunities lead. And that's all improvisation. So let's start talking about improv. The very first skill that we want to tell you that's important to improv yeah. is active listening. Listening is more than hearing with your ears. Active listening is using your ears, your eyes, your feeling, your gut yeah. to tell you what's going on. You never want to be in a situation where you have to say, what? Sorry. I didn't hear you. What did you say? Especially Pat, your background at Second City, you you didn't have an opportunity while on stage to not listen to what the person was saying, right? I mean, that would have been a catastrophe. Oh, absolutely. No, you can't. I mean, I've been in plenty of improv shows that if there's a scene going on and you're on the side, you can't turn to the person next to you and be like, hey, let's go out and be truck drivers because you just missed what happened on stage. Right. Uh, so therefore, you're just intently listening. Uh, and it's true. It's one of those where... Um, I did it. We did a seminar yesterday and I was talking to them. They said they have to deal with doctors a lot. And they said, well, I'm saying something and then I'm, I'm thinking of the next thing I'm going to say while they're talking. And I'm like, well, that's where the disconnect is. Right. Because in improv, you say something and then you can't do anything until you hear what the next, next person says because right. you can't foresee what it's going to be. Uh, and that's why it's so important to listen. And Pat uses the that's analogy funny. of a ping pong game. You know, when you're when you're at the yeah. table and somebody launches the ball at you, your only option is to hit it back. You're not thinking of, well, if he if he hits it over here, I'll stand here. If he hits it over here, you know, you're reacting. And that's what active listening is, is actually listening, absorbing and then reacting. And what it does is it gives you time to choose how you react to you, you when yeah. you're thinking of how you're going to respond to someone when they say something, you've limited yourself greatly because what they're saying might not be what you're preparing to respond to. Right. So active listening gives you the opportunity to take a moment, take a beat, live in the moment, and respond appropriately to what's being said. I agree. No, it's 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 one of those things where you can't... It's almost easier 
to listen actively because you don't have to think as much. Right. You're not thinking of your next thought right. because you have to wait to the next person and what, what they say. Um, and many times we'll do games and you'll see people like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know they were going to say that. And you're like, well, that's the beauty of it. You ha- yeah, in improv, you have to adapt to anything you think exactly. you, you might not know or come, not know that's coming at you. Very quick story. I was making a film in Russia one time and we were on the tundra. And we had a fixer. The filmmaking a fixer is a person who kind of takes care of all the little things that nobody else can really do. She was in charge of lunch the next day. And I mean, we were out in the middle of nowhere in 40 below weather. And what I thought I heard her say was, I will bring box lunches. Are you okay with that? And I was busy doing this and thinking about how cold it's going to be and making sure. And I said, yeah, that's fine. What she actually said was, I will bring box lunches. Are you okay with fat? So when we got onto the tundra in the middle of the day, opened these box lunches, and inside was a perfect pinwheel of fat. Wow. Who knows what kind of yeah. who knows what kind of animal it came from? And a cold baked potato. Wow. That's like the most and, un-Hollywood. And I was really, really unpopular that day. So <laughs> sure. just an example. We lit the fat and potato. <laughs> just just an example of how you really need to listen. Yeah, especially with the culinary choices. <laughs> the next, uh, the next skill we want to talk about, and it's kind of the core of improvisation, is the skill of yes and. Mm-hmm. It's called the acceptance and elevation of ideas. It's basically where what we say is that every idea someone offers you is a gift, and what do you do with the gift? You take it, you accept it, you receive it, and then because of the age. of Regifting, what do you do? You change it a little bit, put another wrapping on it, and you give it back to them. So what you're doing is taking their idea, adding to it, and then presenting to them or the group again as something that can culminate in ways that you couldn't even imagine. Yeah, it's it's kind of the idea of you're building something with somebody else, and that's why improv can be like the ultimate team sport because you so much need the other person. Right. And what happens is when you say yes to something, when you agree to something, whether it's somebody's idea in the boardroom or somebody's idea on a, a place to go eat. Right. Most of the time when people don't agree with something, they're just trying to be stubborn or stingy and they just right. curmudgeon whatever. It's when you say yes to things, all of a sudden you create a world of acceptance you create a world like, oh, this guy, Pat, Pat liked my idea. I feel a lot safer. I'm going to actually add another idea to that. This is a, a very, a place of non-judgment, exactly. which creates a world of trust and support. And that's the ultimate goal right there. So that's why yes is so important. The rule in improv is don't bring a cathedral, bring a brick. Yeah. So sure. bring an idea yeah. and let somebody else build on that. And pretty soon you have something that you couldn't even imagine. Right. Because we've all been in boardrooms and things where somebody tries to build the whole thing by themselves. And it's just like, all right, why do you need us? Or they have the blinders on. It's like, well, that's not my idea. Um, so, yeah, that's the beauty of it is yes, that you right. need the other person. You have to have them. And it is, as I said, it is the heart of improv is being able to bring ideas. One of the things we've heard, especially when we've worked with businesses, uh, people say, well, what if it's a bad idea? Ideas live and die on their own, on their own merit. But every idea mm-hmm. should be given the 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 room to bloom, to blossom, and see where it goes. There's been many times yeah. when I've heard bad ideas, but there was a nugget in there of a good idea. And then you can start adding and putting those things together. And that's how, through group think, basically, you come up with new, exciting ways. Creativity is basically where you go with it. Yeah. 
I was actually lucky enough uh, to do uh, to be asked to do a commencement speech uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, which was really cool. And one of the things I just I don't even know where I came up with it, but I talked about your life being a tree, and um, <laughs> no, I did, I did, and I just said how how at the end you know or at a point in your life you want to look at your tree and you want to see all the different branches and the different branches represent different ideas or different things you said yes to and it blooms and you found um challenges and overcame things and love and all these different things um because right those are all the things you said yes to and, and this branch might not go anywhere but then something else grew out of that branch or you came back and found a bigger stronger branch um and the end was always um right you want to everyone loves a, a full tree nobody likes a tree without branches because Technically, that's a log. <laughs> so, which, which is true. So, did, did you use a Dutch elm disease as a metaphor for life? I or? brought that in because I just felt I was the crowd wasn't sad enough. So I brought in <laughs> a horrible, horrible arborist, arborist yeah. uh, disease. It's um, a celebratory day. You got to bring them down. Yeah, you, you down. can't. They can't. We all can't be laughter. There's a there's a pandemic afoot. <laughs> so the the ne- the next skill we want to tell you about uh, after yes and is the importance and value of team building. Teams are where things happen. What what we've seen again, Pat and I have worked in many businesses, is that when people are in teams, they're finding ways to shine individually, which is the antithesis of being a team. What what improv teaches us is that when the team wins, you win. It's important for the team to do well for you to do well. And the team will go farther as a team than you will probably go as an individual. Yeah. Teams are the way to move things forward and to succeed. And Pat, you got a great story about team building. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, and it's, it, it, I always feel like, like it's name droppy. But it's the, the idea of it, at the end, hopefully you'll see why I did it. But, or why I tell the story. Because I think it's such a cool uh, concept to what you're saying. And, and it was I was lucky enough to be cast in the TV show called Seinfeld. Uh, the last season, which was great because I was a huge fan of the show and very excited to do it. And about halfway through, um, the director was like, hey, Pat, in the scene with Jerry, try to make him laugh. Right. And so I was just saying my lines, but I decided to use my hands and gesture them more than I normally would and just to kind of goof around. And uh, Jerry laughed. It was like a really cool moment. I was like, wow, that's because that's hard to get somebody to laugh, especially a comic. And the next day, we're, we're all set to, to rehearse again, and we do the scene, and I didn't do that. And Pat, uh, Jerry and Andy were like, hey, uh, Pat, where's the this? this? And I said, oh, I just I just did it to make Jerry laugh. And Jerry's like, yeah, it worked. How about making everybody laugh? And I was like, oh, you want to keep it? And he's like, yeah. I was like, wow. And then I was really kind of happy that I'd, I'd tried something, <laughs> um, and it, got, it was accepted, and then I felt more creative. And so the whole process was great. And then we're about to shoot in front of the audience and Julia Louis-Dreyfus came over and she was in the scene before mine. And uh, she plays Elaine. And she said, Pat, show me what you're doing with your hands because I'm in the scene before you. And I said, oh, okay. And I kind of showed her. And in the scene, she's like, oh, I hate going to Joe's parties. He's always like, could you do me a favor and put that over there? And she kind of emulated my hand gestures and didn't get like a huge laugh by any means. But what it did was when I did it, it was a callback to what she had set up, and therefore the laugh was enormous because the audience recognized it. And what's wild is that Julie didn't have to do that, but Julie is from Second City, where you're taught the team idea. And if she can make the scene better, thereby the whole show in and of itself will be funnier and better. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. she it was just that process and it was of, of, of absolute team and you don't have to do it. It's not necessarily the case in Hollywood or boardrooms or in life. But when people do do it, it's noticed and you yeah. see a payoff. You bet. Absolutely. Team building is where it's at. The next skill uh, in improvisation we wanted to share is in uh, moment. It's called building momentum. Everybody has been uh, in meetings and conversations with friends that you just wish something, anything would happen. I have actually, in my corporate life, have been in meetings about meetings about meetings. <laughs> so there were three tiers of decisions about meetings going on. I could, that's what happened to my hair, actually, because that was, that was it. <laughs> the, the purpose of momentum is to create forward movement. And the, it's necessary to create anything that happens. I mean, anything that you want to happen in life, you have to move towards it. And the problem is that it's safe not to do anything. If you, and again, in business, what we find a lot is that people are afraid to move forward because if they stay where they are, they're not going to be criticized. They're not going to be pointed out. They're not going to be ostracized and they're not going to be pushed outside the group. They are comfortable where they are. Momentum causes discomfort because you're saying, hey, let's take a step toward here. Okay, let's take another step toward here. And it's, it's difficult, but it's something you have to embrace in improv because it moves you toward the goal that you have in mind. Yeah, there's nothing stagnant about improv. It's not like Pong where it just goes back and forth. It has to move. It's almost like Jenga where you're building something. And like you said, it, it takes a brick, uh, not a cathedral. But all those bricks add up to a cathedral. And that's the end result. And that's the beauty of exactly. improv or even a, when you see an improv show, it's, it's a journey. And at the end, you're like, wow, we just went to the moon and we were underwater and that guy had four noses right. and whatever. No, I always, I always say an improv show, if it's good, when they do a review, should should sound like a fever dream, you know, because it's <laughs> right. nobody can explain it. Like, I saw an improv show the other day. It was fantastic. A guy came out and he had no kneecaps. And then this other guy came around. He had a bow and arrow. And, and it just makes no sense. But when you're there, it does. But it all is a through line uh, right. that, that momentum is caused by. Right. And the, the reason momentum is important, because the fifth skill you have to, to have to be successful in improv is what's called following your fear. We are, as humans, prone to be fearful. We are afraid of pretty much everything. One thing Pat and I do in our seminars, and uh, whether it's on Zoom or, or in person, is that we ask people what they're afraid of. And, and to a person, what we find out, people are not afraid of dying. They're not afraid of being homeless. They're not afraid of being divorced. They're not afraid of being alone. They are afraid of standing up in front of an audience. It is the number one fear of people and what we do then is that person mm -hmm. who was unlucky enough to to tell us about that we call them up on stage and we we ask them to stand between us and we stand there and we don't say anything right and the point being is that nothing happens their worst dreams their worst fears are not realized and we use that as a point to say 99 percent of what you're afraid of will never happen in fact when they go back to their seat they always get a round of applause, which is like the one thing they weren't expecting. So, because people thought they were brave for going up and doing that. Yeah. And they're up there for 40 minutes. That's the one thing you forgot <laughs> to tell people. I'm kidding. No, but it's so true. You kind of find out like, yeah, nothing happened. We're, you're still alive. You're still standing. You're right. still. Um, and once, I think that's the coolest thing is 
naturally people are afraid of that, but also naturally people are genuinely supportive. So I think that's when the applause happen, I think it's always cool because then everybody realizes, you know what, somebody took a chance. Yes. Uh, well done. The hat's off to you kind of a thing. Right. Because, you know, um, fear to a person, fear holds you back. Change is hard. Yeah. You know, the mm -hmm. unknown is scary. What you have to do is embrace that and learn to live with it, not only live it, to conquer it. Yeah. Because that's how you'll succeed in life. And when you bring all these things together, when you bring active listening, yes and, team building, momentum, and following your fear, what you'll find is what you've done is you've created a resilient life. You've created a certain confidence in yourself that you can overcome anything, that you're happy, that you're confident, that you're self-assured, that you can do things that you were afraid of doing before. And that's the real, real treasure of improvisation is getting to that point where you're resilient. Yeah. I mean, bottom line, it's like improv is kind of cool. Yes. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm saying that justfully, but I'm saying it also truthfully because it is. It's pretty amazing the tenets that come from that and how much they can be translated into your personal life, how much we've seen it when we go to companies and we do a three and a half hour seminar and then the first question they have at the end is, can we do one more game? Right. Or where were you guys Where were you guys 20 years ago when I could have used this? It's crazy. So it's cool. To, glad we're doing this. So that's what the whole goal of this podcast is going to be is kind of introduce the tenets of improv through the next 12 sessions. We're going to be taking those five uh, skills that, that I mentioned, active listening, yes and, team building, momentum, and following your fear. And we're going to be breaking it down into smaller bite-sized nuggets so you can help understand. But today we just wanted, as we said, kind of get you to put your toes in the waters of improv with Pat and I as your, not bodyguards, <laughs> lifeguards. <laughs> lifeguards, of, lifeguards of comedy. If Pat and I are your bodyguards... We could you're be around. Yeah, you're exactly. in trouble. Exactly. You're, you're in trouble. You're in big exactly. trouble. So anyway, that's our first episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you tune in again. I'm Al Admire. I'm Pat Finn. Thanks for listening. And this has been Improbability. We'll see you next time.